You ain't driving, are you? I steer a little, but the ranger do my sewer. <laughs> this is my full fear of the center. How about you? I started the whole damn thing. Oh, oh, oh! Excuse me! We decided that you could have one gift. Early. What is it? That is a direct hotline to Santa Claus himself. I can talk to Santa. All right, revelers. Welcome to your worst Christmas ever. Let's go! You have $300 million in your personal vault. That's what I want for Christmas. <laughs> I don't want any trouble, okay? Someone's gonna scooch up that chimney. Who is he? Because he's not your typical mall Santa. Santa, are you there? Daddy said you were very busy tonight. My name is Trudy Lightstone. Are you gonna help us, Santa? Santa? No, my nice list. Santa Claus is coming to town. Time for some season's beatings. Who the hell are you? But what if he really is the There's real? No such thing as Santa. He's bad man. They're all on my naughty list. Naughty. That's naughty! And what do you do to the naughty ones? I give them a lump of coal. Where is it? I gotta watch. Ah! I believe in you, Santa. Come on. Which one of you did that? Prancer? So? Unprofessional. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. This is Mike. Joining me as always, it's Mr. Venom. How is it going, Venom? Greetings and salutations, holiday revelers. Yes, I'm doing pretty well, Mike, especially especially after seeing today's movie. I'm actually in a very good mood. So, yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, uh, lots of Christmas packages are starting to be delivered to our doorstep. So, uh, oh, same here, same here. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, also joining us, it's Don and Ellie. What's up, Don? How are you? Yeah. Well, this has probably been the uh, bright spot of the last uh, two days. So, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, introductions out of the way. So we are discussing Violent Night that just released this past Friday in theaters. And it's uh, starring David Harbour. <laughs> I was like looking at the wrong list. I was like, what? That doesn't sound right. David Harbour, John Leguizamo. Uh, those are probably the most recognizable names. David Harbour, of course, is Hopper in Stranger Things. John Leguizamo. I mean, he's been in tons of things. He should be familiar to everybody. 
So, our synopsis is when a group of mercenaries attack the estate of a wealthy family, Santa Claus must step in to save the day. And Christmas in parentheses. So, we're going to get our general thoughts on this one, starting with Venom. What did you think of Violent Night? Uh, when you were talking about the names in this movie, you forgot the woman that I had a crush on through the entire 80s, uh, Miss Beverly D'Angelo, who obviously is an older woman now, of course, but uh, in the 80s, holy shit, <laughs> I was in love with this woman. So it was it was great to see her, absolutely. Speaking, speaking, speaking of her today, while I was working, I threw on uh, Vacation and Euro Vacation, just nice. by chance. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, so let's get to Violent Night. I mean, what can I say? I, I had an absolute blast with this movie. This this movie is the sheer definition of just shut off your brain and take the movie at face value. We've got some great violent action, some awesome uh, fight sequences throughout, some pretty decent storytelling. I mean, you know, it's not classic storytelling by any stretch, but, you know... It, if you see, if you saw the trailer, you know exactly what you're getting, and that's I, I do kind of appreciate that. Without the trailer kind of giving away too much, you know what you're getting, and that's exactly what you get. I mean, um, oh, what can I say? Harbor's performance is great. Liguizamo, who I'm not usually a big fan of, this is his second performance in a row that I actually enjoyed. And again, it's because he plays a piece of shit really, really well. So between the menu and this one, Liguizamo's having a good year for playing douchebags. So, you know, hopefully he keeps that up. His name was even Scrooge in this one. His actual moniker was Mr. Scrooge, which makes perfect sense for somebody like me, who was never a big fan of Liguizamo through the 90s and early part of the 2000s. So... But yeah, what can I, I mean, what else can I say? This is a turn off your brain, enjoy Santa Claus fucking some terrorists up, um, you know, great violence, very reminiscent of something like VFW, uh, where, where that, you know, that movie was kind of under argument as to whether it was a horror movie or not. This one, I, I think this one's even less of a horror movie than VFW. I mean, honestly, this legitimately is a straight action movie, but because there's so much violence, you get some gore, you get some blood. It makes sense that we're doing it here. Um, but yeah, I'll never call this a horror movie. But is it a fun-ass movie that'll keep you grinning from uh, start to finish? I think it absolutely is. So yeah, this was a great film. Nothing, you know, that I'm going to be, you know, talking about at the end of the year, I seriously doubt. As I said, this movie barely qualifies as a horror. Some people would probably say it doesn't. But I had an absolute blast with it. Great performances. I didn't dislike any performance in this movie. I thought everybody did a really, really good job, you know, with the part that they had to play. Even the young teenage, you know, Gen Z or douchebag did a great job with his role. Uh, I even enjoyed his post credit scene, which was, you know, a little insipid, but still mildly funny. So, yeah, overall, I had a great time with this movie. Didn't even notice the almost two hour runtime because it really does get to the action pretty quickly. There's not a whole lot of character development. You're introduced to Santa, you're introduced to the family, and then bam, the shit hits the fan, and it's basically nonstop action and suspense for, you know, the next hour, hour and a half of the film. So yeah, this one's a high recommend for me. As I've already said, it, it, you know, it may not be something that genre fans necessarily are going to flock to, but ultimately... I do think it's an incredibly fun movie. I also think that the way that they're advertising it is a little bit of a misnomer. Uh, they're saying that it's um, Die Hard meets uh, Home Alone. 
Uh, I'm going to disagree with that because it's ba- really there's only one scene in this movie that would qualify as Home Alone-esque. I'm going to say this movie is Die Hard meets Your Next. If you guys remember Nor- Your Next from, I believe, 2011, I want to say. Somewhere around there. But yeah, which was my favorite movie of that year, by the way. So again, it just kind of tracks that I like these kind of... Um, you know, secret badass type movies where someone is, you know, victimized and then it actually turns out they have a background in violence and they turn it around on the captors. Absolutely adore those types of movies. So it totally makes sense. Just like your next, this is, uh, you know, going to be going to end up being one of my guilty pleasures of the year. I can't in good conscience put it on my horror list at the end of the year, but an absolutely fun movie that I recommend to most genre fans. All right, I'll kick it over to Don for your general thoughts on Violent Night. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, what else can be said? Just wow, this was a blast. Um, figuratively and literally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, a- as a straightforward action movie, uh, this could very well be uh, the best film of the year. Horror film is a stretch. Um. I actually do think, uh, you know, VFW, is, you know, the comparison to that one is just apt on so many levels because it feels very much like that has – they're compatible in a lot of respects. It's mm-hmm. straightforward, you know, here's a scenario we're not really going to utilize, like, horror tropes to, you know, spell things out. We're going to use action tropes, shootouts, lots of gun plating, uh, gunplay, uh, you know – brutal hard-hitting you know confrontations and fist fights but not a whole lot of like general stalking you know slashing like the general horror kind of tropes that you would expect and i I would see how you can feel that way because it's not necessarily like those scenes would be out of place i mean if you keep santa as like this mysterious guy in the shadows lurking around doing all these things you could probably get away with it being a horror film but yeah, uh, as it stands, this is uh, straightforward, just hard hitting, tons of fun. You know, it, it, it's a popcorn action movie, mm-hmm. and I, I, I had just an absolute blast. Uh, you know, it hits the ground running. You don't get much downtime. You don't get much chance to, you know, notice. I mean, I was completely unaware that this was two hours until I was done, and I looked up and I was like, wait. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, wow, that that lasted longer than I thought it would. And, you know, it was like later in the day than I expected. So, yeah, I, I don't have much else to add. Uh, you know, like Wazamo is a fantastic henchman. You know, he plays these kinds of roles in his sleep, and he does them so well. Harbor's a great Santa, maybe not necessarily one of my favorites, but, you know, he has the look of the build. He pulls it off well. The families, you know, thank God, not douchebags. <laughs> I mean, they were fun, you know, they're not like, you know, the the upper, the uppity, you know, stuck in the mud kind of, you know, people that you think of when you see like, oh, well, they're targeting a rich person's house, you know, they're going to be like immoral douchebags. So, yeah, that was, uh, you know, fun to see. They were, you know, a, a more traditional family that just happened to have a wealthy job and they had a lot of money to go around. But, yeah, I, I don't have much else to say about this one, uh, you know. Could you shave ten minutes off of this and you know still tell us everything in the in the same order probably, but yeah, uh I, I don't have much else to add. 
could it be a top ten for me? Uh, maybe. I mean, uh, we're doing the fresh cuts list, so for me, I have different criteria than you guys. So I could see it on that, maybe not on my true end-of-year list. But, yeah, in, in general, it's a fun action. It's, a you know, not a horror film, but... Uh, I, I, I'm an action guy, and I love these kinds of films. So, yeah, definitely recommended. Definitely a lot of fun. You, you know, I, I don't have much else uh, different to add to that. Uh, after the last couple of days I've had, this was a breath of fresh air and uh, definitely got me in the proper spirit. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, very, very fun time and, uh, you know, definitely worth your time. Straightforward horror fans may have some complaints about the tone and the atmosphere, but you know it's a personal personal preference thing rather than anything the film proper does. So I'll count that. But uh, yeah, don't have uh, much else beyond that. Okay, yeah. So as far as I go, like, I'll start off because I, I assume the whole issue of is this even really a horror movie would get brought up so for like reference even though i i watch trailers and all that for some reason i don't remember even seeing a trailer for this at the theater like you would most movies coming out and i think for me i just kind of bunched it in because um what is it christmas bloody christmas is that the bagos one the name of it coming out yeah i think that's thursday or friday yeah, it's not yeah, I, I, no, I kind of just like yeah, bunched it in with that, thinking, oh, okay, we're getting like two different ones. As far as this movie goes, I mean, to me, the most you could even claim horror is semi home invasion, but it's more a robbery as opposed to them invading to like terrorize the people. So, yeah, if you're if you're going into it wanting a horror movie, you that would be like the only issue. But other than that. If you go in wanting like a pretty damn good, effective holiday action movie, this delivers on all accounts. Like I, when I when I saw the synopsis of this, I was like, okay, this is the type of movie that like it could be really good, or it could be like a movie that's potentially like like it has the the blueprint there but doesn't quite deliver because you never know i think with like holiday themed movies but yeah this one delivers uh it doesn't hold back on the violence i love the background story of our santa it's it's not like extremely in depth but you kind of get an idea of the process of like Mm -hmm. where where like a supposed santa comes from the origin uh i like that the the family is pretty hilarious um (laughs) They're all like kind of miserable people in their own right, but uh, their dynamic uh, with each other is cool. I like uh, how their character arcs kind of go throughout it. Uh, Jonathan Linguizamo, I think he's pretty charismatic as the villain in this, as is like uh, his team of henchmen. One in particular, the one that sticks around the house through most of the movie with the family. I, I got a kick out of him. Like every scene he was in, he yeah. cracked me up. Um, I, you know, for like an action comedy, I think this delivers, you know, I don't have many problems, if any, with this. Uh, I think this could become like an annual watch, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, with uh, there's always a debate is Die Hard 
a Christmas movie <laughs> or not. Well, there's no debate on this one, and it's action, but it's also Christmas. So, like, uh, I would say everyone go see this. Go see it in the theater. Support this because it, it feels like something you don't typically get in the theater for, like, a Christmas movie. But, man, if they can keep making movies like this every year. Kind of like, you know, we get our October horror movies. If we get our, like, October Christmas action movie or December Christmas action movies, I'm all for it. So, you know, without kind of repeating everything you guys already said, highly recommended. Super fun. Not much downtime. And even when there is downtime as far as, you know, stretches without action, the dialogue and the characters keep things moving at a at a quick pace, and I agree with Dawn. It, it didn't it didn't even feel like as long a movie as it, as it actually is. So highly yeah. recommended. Yeah, I I didn't mention the uh, Santa's backstory in in my general thoughts, but I absolutely adored it. I am in God of War Ragnarok mode right now. It's basically everything. It's what I'm doing with all my free time when I'm not watching movies or working. So to see this particular background that comes off as very Norse. Uh, I just absolutely loved it. I mean, the the shots of Santa in his previous life, if you will. I'll leave it at that for the spoiler-free section. But the shots of Santa in his previous life are absolutely epic. And I loved them. I absolutely loved them. Especially because of a particular Norse god that is one of my favorite gods. Which, again, I'm not going to say here because it will give away too much. But yeah, that backstory, the shots of the backstory. I mean, honestly... Uh, I want to see uh, a prequel to this movie next year. Next Christmas, I want to see the prequel. I want to see how this uh, Norse warrior became Santa. Like, was it a punishment? Was it a gift? Oh, God, there's so many different ways that that story can go. And that's the shit that I want to see. So, But even though, even with the little piece of backstory that we got in this one, ah, just absolutely great. Totally loved it. And the, and the way that Santa Claus, that this particular Santa Claus brings in like real world relationship drama, but in a way that's not ultra dramatic. Like when he's talking about his wife and the fact that they're not together right now, you know, you could see the sadness in his face and you can kind of feel that for our little girl, uh, true. Uh, yeah. Trudy, because, you know, her parents are split up as the movie starts and her only Christmas wish is that they get back together. So her and Santa actually have this very deep conversation over walkie talkie that is one of my favorite scenes of the movie. At least it's one. It's my favorite non-action scene in the movie. Absolutely love that scene. The emotion there. Yeah, uh, this movie definitely makes up for David Harbor and Hellboy. Because, and I don't blame David Harbor for Hellboy. Um, Hellboy was just a terrible movie to start to begin with, and you know, he took the job obviously on the strength of Guillermo del Toro's you know Hellboy movies. But yeah, this absolutely makes up for that, for in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, so much about this movie to talk about and enjoy. So, I don't know. What do you got? You guys got anything else non-spoiler we can get into before we move on? Um, I'm trying to, trying think. to think if I missed anything. I know, same here. And I, I, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, the I, I was trying to keep the backstory separate because I didn't know if that was going to be a spoiler or not just because of how yeah. deep and I, I mean, I, I I was trying to think of that, but I mean, I mean, that would probably be like the only thing I'm looking over my notes right now. But nice. 
All right, folks. Well, that's your spoiler warning. We're going to get into it. I, I'm not going to do a traditional walkthrough for this one, because if you've seen the trailer, you know the movie. Uh, rich family of douchebags get together for Christmas. Santa Claus shows up. The real Santa Claus shows up to drop off gifts. A a group of, you know, former military terrorists or whatever you want to call them show up to, to rob the family. And our movie goes from there. So who who the hell needs a walkthrough? Um, I want to talk about this backstory, though. Santa's backstory in this movie. And if, for those who don't know, the Norse god I was talking about was Thor. I'm a big fan of Thor. Not the MCU Thor, mind you. Um, the image of Thor as this chiseled Adonis is just, it's not my Thor. Uh, my Thor is the one that's in the current Game of uh, Game of War Ragnarok game where he's fat. I mean, like Thor has a big gut because Thor, for the you know, for people who follow Norse mythology, you know, Thor is an epic drinker. I mean, he's literally drunk every single day of his existence. So, of course, he's going to have a belly. How can he be chiseled? It doesn't make sense. So. So the image of Thor in God of War Ragnarok, I love. And this one reminded me of it so much because we all know, you know, David Harbour is not a buff guy. He got in pretty good shape for Hellboy. Yes. So he does have the ability to get into good shape for roles. I know for the Black Widow movie, I know he also got into pretty good shape. But this one, he kind of just has his traditional dad bod. Like he's got some good size arms and traps, but then he still has that big old belly from eating all these cookies and drinking milk. And I also absolutely love throughout this movie, the scenes where he's eating the cookies and like judging them where he's like, Oh, this is terrible. Oh, this is out of a box. And then finally, when he gets to our, you know, our location, he's like, Oh, homemade. Yes. And he's and literally, he's like an ecstasy from these cookies. It's just a scene you wouldn't really expect to, see in a santa action film but it works so well for me i mean i guess we can go over the family uh the matriarch of the family of course as mentioned earlier is beverly d'angelo she plays gertrude Light lightstone um she's basically you know your average rich heiress you know ultra rich heiress and obviously you know these terrorists are assuming that she has money in the house john Leguizamo actually is the leader of this group uh, and a great leader he is like i said everyone in the, all the all the terrorists in this movie all have nicknames like uh, code names if you will and they're all great you know you've got scrooge you've got krampus you've got gingerbread uh, frosty tinsel like everybody has these great names and of course Leguizano is mr scrooge the leader of the group but um yeah so like the dichotomy of that group i thought was cool because these are all terrorists but the first group of terrorists that show up, like all of them have somewhat of a personality that's, you know, may, somewhat enjoyable. Not to say that you're on their side necessarily, but like um, like the guy who played Krampus, the big guy who got taken out, you know, from the um, Home Alone trap. Like, I love that guy. I loved some of his reactions throughout the movie. Like he's, he was the biggest guy in the group, big buff, you know, German or Austrian, some kind of big European guy. But he, but, but he had this wonder in his eyes when he thought, holy shit, is this the real Santa Claus? Like, and I love that, that little tiny spark of innocence. Um, you know, that's some good facial acting right there. So that was cool. But like I said, all the different members, Mike talked about, uh, was it Frosty, I think, was the one that stayed in the house with them? It was either I Frosty or was... Tinsel. Uh, because Sugar Plum, Sugar Plum was the blonde girl. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, no. Sugar Plum was the Asian girl. I'm very sorry. The one who actually broke into the safe. Candy Cane was the blonde girl. There we go. Candy Cane <laughs> was the blonde girl. 
is that him, Andre Erickson? Oh, oh, you know what? I, I still got my names wrong. It's not Krampus that I liked. It's um, Gingerbread. So who played Krampus? Okay, that's the guy you like, Mike, is Krampus. <laughs> he was the one who stayed in the house. He he, he definitely had the funniest lines oh, yeah, yeah. throughout. Mm-hmm. The, as far as the terrorists go, he had the funniest lines throughout. He was very entertaining. He was the one who had to stay in the house with the family whenever the rest of the terrorists went and either chased down someone who maybe got away from the main group or when they had to go to open the safe. We haven't even talked about why they're there. Uh, Liguizamo kind of, you know, gives away his plan about halfway through the movie where he says he is aware that this woman who was being given money by the U.S. government as a, a go-between um, with third world countries, kind of selling them arms and, you know, buying arms from them and blah, 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 um, you know, doing it on the down low so that there was no paper trail between the U.S. government and these other third world countries. And one day she decides to just keep a bunch of the money and she has $300 million in cash in her safe. And that's why these terrorists are here. They also are well aware of Gertrude having a kill squad, which is uh, basically something that she's uh, it's a it's a personal militia that she pays for. Basically, she has a panic button. And as soon as she hits the panic button, that group that she calls the kill squad goes into action. Unfortunately for her, we get the the very obvious double cross, of course, when the kill squad shows up and the whole family thinks, yay, we're saved, of course. Uh, Liguizamo and the leader of the kill squad shake hands and, you know, show that they're together and that it was a double cross. So, you know, again, a very obvious double cross, but it doesn't really affect the fun of the movie. It's like, you know, it's coming. It's happened in almost every Die Hard movie. We know it's going to happen here. So why the hell not? Uh, Let's talk about (laughs) let's talk about the home alone scene. Um, We are also introduced to Trudy Lighthouse and her parents, um, I forget her parents' names, but uh, uh, Linda, oh, her mother's Linda and her father is Jason. So Jason and Linda. Um, Jason and Linda are separated. It looks like they're about to go to- towards divorce. And as I mentioned earlier, their daughter, Trudy, her her only Christmas wish is for her parents to come back together which, you know, obviously strikes Santa because she's not asking for any toys, uh, even though he looks on his nice and naughty list and sees that she's on the nice list with some incredible nice things that she's done. By the way, Santa's scroll is so fucking cool. I love this scroll. Uh, basically, it's a scroll with no writing on it, but when he opens it, magically all the names of people in the general area will show up on the list, will just appear, and it'll say if they're naughty or nice and what they've done, like all the things that they've done that make them either naughty or nice. And when they finally get to John Liguizamo, he has to open the scroll completely because the list of all the crimes that he's done are fucking amazing. Um, so... You know, we get we get the obvious scene where, you know, uh, the the shit hits the fan. The terrorists realize that there's another person in the house. Santa, you know, kills the first terrorist in a great little fight where he ends up throwing him out a window and impaling him on an upside down icicle decoration outside. Why anybody would have that decoration outside a second story window is beyond me. But OK, it's it's convenient for the plot. So once they realize that they have a dead uh, teammate on their hands, they realize that there is someone in the house. They call him a gopher. We have a we have a gopher in the situation, and he's already taken out a terrorist. 
the next time that Santa has a fight, this this is the entertaining. This is one of the more entertaining fights here. Um, I forget the name of the person that he's fighting in this scene. It might be Frosty. But um, basically, it's, uh, again, big buff dude. Santa's having a tough time, you know, uh, getting the upper hand on this guy. Finally, at one point in the fight, Santa gets an upper hand on him. And he ends up stabbing him in the eye with with the with the star from the top of a Christmas tree, one of those light up stars that you know plugs in and it lights up, blah blah blah. Stabs him with the Christmas tree light. The guy doesn't die right away. He's basically on the ground, just kind of struggling, trying to get up. Uh, Santa goes ahead and he plugs the light in, and of course, instantly the guy is electrocuted, and then his whole head goes up in flames, which I actually thought was a pretty nice little effect. Very CG, obviously, but you know, you take what you can get. Ultimately, the, the few CG effects in this movie don't don't hinder it. Even though they're very obviously CG, it's not like it's the worst shit you've ever seen. So still very entertaining and, you know, uh, very satisfying, honestly. Uh, the movie continues. Like I said, the terrorists do eventually get into the safe uh, and then they realize that the money is gone. The money that they got intel on the, that was 100 percent there is now completely gone. And you can tell whoever took it out of there was in a major hurry because there's still like hundred dollar bills. Um, no bundles of cash, but like some little loose ones all over the room. Like, you know, like somebody was in a hurry. They were emptying the safe and they were in a hurry. When the terrorists realize that the money is gone, of course, they go back. They start torturing members of the family. Uh, they break Jason's finger in a, uh, a nutcracker. And then they try at one point, they actually try to crush one of his testicles in a giant nutcracker. They've got like a five-foot nutcracker there in the house. Apparently, um, Gertrude, Beverly D'Angelo, has an obsession with a uh, with nut, uh, nutcrackers because there's a bunch of them all through the house. Uh, they have this great conversation about who's actually going to touch his junk to put it in the nutcracker. Um, the girl... Uh, the blonde girl who's uh, what candy cane candy cane. She's the one who first gets the order to put his junk in the nutcracker and she automatically refuses. I'm not touching his junk. And then it just goes back and forth until finally Mike's guy says, I'll do it. Whatever. <laughs> I forget what ends up breaking up the scene. He does not get his testicle crushed. Thankfully. Um, I think that might be where Trudy gets away at one point. Trudy just runs away from the group and she ends up hiding in the attic and then these are the scenes that I, I really like when Trudy is talking to Santa. Uh, basically, early in the film, her parents gave her a walkie talkie, um, just a standard walkie talkie with no second one, just a single unit walkie talkie. And they convince her that this is a walkie talkie to Santa uh, because she didn't get a chance to go visit Santa at the mall. They're giving they're presenting her with this walkie talkie. They basically say Santa may not answer you. But he's always listening, so just tell him everything that you want. And later in the movie, after the shit hits the fan and you know everybody's in danger, she starts talking on it. Fortunately, the, the real Santa Claus took a walkie-talkie off of one of the terrorists that he killed, and she ends up getting a hold of him. And obviously, she's kind of skeptical. Is this really Santa? And Santa's like, yeah. And then to prove that it's really Santa, Santa tells her the story of when he gave her her favorite stuffed animal, Mr. Bunny, um, because she basically for Christmas that year said that she was very lonely. She didn't have any friends her own age. And she asked for a friend. That was literally her request. I'd like a friend. Santa delivers, you know, Mr. Bunny, a cute stuffed animal that we see her with throughout the entire film. 
and and it's it's a heartwarming story, of course, and you know. And uh, like I said, I absolutely love this. You know, I, I'm not completely against emotion in my action movies. So yeah, this, that, it was a sweet moment between these two. And then uh, basically Santa tells her, okay, stay in the attic, hide up there. And, you know, I'll come and get you later. And then she says, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to make some booby traps, uh, you know, to, because I, cause she, she just saw Home Alone for the first time the night before, and she's really excited about it. So this is where the Home Alone references come from. And those traps that you see in the movie are all from this one scene. Basically, there's just one scene where Candy Kane and, um, Candy Kane, not Krampus, but uh, the big guy again. I, I keep forgetting their name. Sorry, folks. Gingerbread. Gingerbread and Candy Cane go up to the attic. And, and this is probably one of the funnier scenes in the movie because it is very much like Home Alone. I mean, it's it's the booby traps. You know, she's got a board with nails sticking out at the bottom of the ladder going up to the attic. It's very obvious. So the terrorists just kind of laugh it off. Like, really, is this supposed to do something? And then as they're walking up the ladder, they see that there's a nail sticking out straight up, um, you know, on one of the steps. And again, they're like, oh, amateurs. What they don't realize is that Trudy sawed one of the steps in half, one of the next steps after the nail, after the step with the nail in it. So the guy steps over the board with the nail in it, steps on the broken uh, step, and then impales himself through his lower jaw on the fucking nail. Does not die, obviously. I mean, that's not really enough to kill you. But just the shot of him on the stairs, just with the knife going up into his mouth, and his mouth is open so you can see the nail. Absolutely hysterical. Um, Candy Cane ends up going up, up to the attic, she ends up running into a couple of more booby traps where she's got like a, a series of bowling balls lined up that uh, she releases them and they roll into her, blah, blah, blah. Um, they end up tearing her up a little bit. This girl is actually a lot smarter than we give her credit for, because then another at another point in this scene, she sets up like a tripwire. Um, but it's a big, bright yellow tripwire. And Candy Kane sees it right away. She's like, really, kid, are you that much of an amateur? She steps over the tripwire and steps on a puddle of glue of like industrial strength rubber cement. I mean, so her shoe, her boots are basically stuck on there. She ends up falling backwards um, after another bowling ball comes hurling towards her. So now like her elbows and the back of her head are stuck and she's in a very uncomfortable position because she's not like spread out, you know, in a line or whatever. Like her, her feet are caught and they're bent in front of her. It's just a really gnarly scene. She ends up pushing herself off the glue trap and literally scalping herself. She pulls off a big chunk of her own scalp. It's still on the floor in the glue. She ends up... Because the boots are still stuck in the rubber cement, she ends up taking her boots off and walking off of the glue trap. And guess what's there, my friends? It's John McClane all over again. We've got glass Christmas uh, ornaments all over the floor. She's stepping on them with her now bare feet because she took her uh, boots off. And, of course, you know, it's shades of John McClane, which, you know, of course, is going to make any old action fan smile. So that was great. Um, she ends up cornering the little girl and the little girl starts using this makeshift slingshot that she created in the corner of the room. And she's just throwing, she's using the slingshot to throw like little balls at her, like tennis balls and a basketball, nothing that would actually hurt, um, candy cane. 
And eventually Candy Cane's like, well, fuck this. And she starts to walk forward. And instead, this time, instead of putting a ball in there, she puts a goddamn barbell that's got, I don't know, at least 35, 40 pounds worth of plates on it. And right into Candy Cane's face, fucking hysterical. Um, kind of sort of knocks her out. But then she comes to fairly quickly and then, you know, basically she's about to she pulls out a gun and she's about to just shoot uh, Trudy because Trudy's cornered. She has nowhere to go. And then, of course, Santa shows up in the nick of time, driving his fucking sledgehammer into um, Candy Cane. This scene actually happens after what potentially is one of my favorite action sequences in the movie. And it's the shed scene. Uh, Basically, um, during... Let me caveat this first by saying during the cut scene, during the um, backstory of Santa, he talked about his favorite weapon being a giant hammer, hence why it felt kind of like a Thor reference. You know, um, he also says that, you know, he's been Santa Claus for over eleven hundred years. So, you know, we're talking like um, what? Eleventh century uh, Norse. And he does give his name, and it's a very Scandinavian-sounding name. Like, I I couldn't possibly repeat it. It's very long. But, um, yeah, so basically he has his his favorite hammer that he dubbed Skull Crusher, but he hasn't seen Skull Crusher in years because he doesn't need it. He's not a warrior anymore. But he does end up finding a sledgehammer, just a basic sledgehammer. And he takes this sledgehammer and absolutely fucking decimates at least a dozen ex-military, fully armed ex-military who literally, uh, literally they have a a computer that can read heat signatures. So they they know that Santa's in that building, in the shed. They all go in there and Santa systematically takes them all out in just an absolute glory of crushed skulls and blood everywhere. And when Santa walks out of the shed, of course, the hammer's in his hand and it's dripping blood in this absolutely epic shot. And uh, the one guy who's outside actually monitoring the computer, you know, with the software that can see through the building, as soon as Santa walks out, he sees him, freaks out, starts to run away. Santa throws the sledgehammer over his head, you know, you know, with both his arms over his head and crushes the back of the guy's head. <laughs> so fucking great. Ends up giving him a double tap as he walks by because the guy didn't actually die after the first uh, sledgehammer hit. And the second one is very definitely did the job. So, yeah, Santa and his sledgehammer. Oh, God damn. Just such a guilty pleasure scene to watch this guy go through these fucking, like I said, heavily armed, heavily trained, you know, militia type members. I just like I said, I've been calling them terrorists. You call them what you want. But, uh, yeah, just such a great scene. And like I said, that leads into the scene in the attic where Santa eventually saves Trudy. So that's their first face-to-face in the film. They finally meet. They come up with a plan to try to deal with the situation. At this point, Santa's already killed half of the terrorists. So, um, you know, he's not too worried about, like, running away. Because early in the movie, he actually has a moment where he thinks about leaving. After all the shit hits the fan, he gets out of the house. Unfortunately, the reindeer left him there. As soon as the shooting started, the reindeer got scared and they left. He thought they had left them that they he, they had left him because they were scared. At the end of the movie, they actually do make an appearance back and they show up with Skull Crusher. 
So they didn't actually leave out of fear. They left to go get Santa's fucking hammer, which I, I it just put a huge smile on my face when I realized that at the end of the movie. We get a couple of cool scenes with Santa's magic Christmas sack. Uh, basically, the sack looks like there's not much in it as he's carrying it. But basically, he just pull, puts his hand in and he pulls out the correct gift for the child's house that he's at. And there's this great scene where the terrorists find the bag and they literally just start pulling out present after present after present. And finally, when they give up, there's literally a mountain of fucking presents on the floor next to them. And they're like, that couldn't possibly all fit in there. What the fuck's going on? Santa tries to explain it's magic. It's Christmas magic, blah, blah, blah. They end up getting pissed off about it. And Liguizamo throws it in a fire, which it burns. It burns up pretty quick, actually. And of course, Santa freaks out. Uh, I think his exact line was there's millions of children's dreams in that bag. What is wrong with you? Blah, blah, blah. This is also where John Liguizamo's character, Mr. Scrooge, gives his backstory of why he hates Christmas so much. Basically, he said he lived with his dad. His dad was a single parent. They were struggling to get by, and right before Christmas one year, uh, his dad got laid off, and he had to tell his son, you know, I'm sorry, but we're just not going to be able to be do anything for Christmas. I have no money to get you gifts, you know, no money to buy a nice dinner, blah, blah, blah. And John Leguizamo, because he was so pissed off at his neighbors, because that year he couldn't do anything because, you know, his dad lost his job. But his neighbors, you know, went all out. They had all the presents, all the decorations, everything else. So Leguizamo basically that night as a teenager, I think he said he was 15, if I remember. It was somewhere in that age, uh, basically breaks into this family's house on Christmas and gets caught. Hence. Uh, his name, Mr. Scrooge. I think he should have been the Grinch, though. I think the Grinch might have been a little better, but whatever. Um, and this basically starts his downward spiral. It's the first time he's arrested. And basically, it's the backstory of why he hates Christmas. So once he realizes that this actually is the real Santa, yeah, he's just pissed off. And he he wants absolute revenge because Santa didn't bring him anything that year. Now that he realizes there's a real Santa, he's pissed off that Santa didn't bring him anything that year. And, you know, Santa kind of explains that he doesn't give gifts to every single kid in the world. He gives gifts to the kids who need him the most. And when he gives that explanation, Liguizamo, of course, kind of goes off. Why, you know, why didn't you help me? And Santa says, I don't interfere with people's lives. I give gifts to kids. That's it. I don't interfere with lives. And Liguizamo, of course, starts screaming at him. Well, maybe you should. Maybe you should start, you know, interfering with people's lives because maybe kids won't turn into some, somebody like me. So blah, blah, blah. Uh, more action sequences follow. Yeah, blah. You know, more terrorists getting killed. Um, and then we get to our basically our final scene. I skipped a lot, folks, but I'm leaving some something for you guys to enjoy if you go see it. If you haven't already seen it and you're still listening to us, there's some funny members of the family, the sister-in-law, her douchebag actor husband. Just there's some great characters in here that we've barely brought up. So, um, like I said, it's uh, basically our final confrontation. Uh, the only uh, the only terrorist left is, of course, John Leguizamo. Him and Santa, you know, get into a knockdown drag out fight where, of course, it looks like Leguizamo has the upper hand on Santa. But earlier in the film, Santa showed, you know, his magic on how he kind of gets in and out of people's houses. He basically taps his nose and then he turns into like this just gold mist type stuff that just goes up 
into the chimney and then he reforms, you know, as Santa back on the roof. So he's basically, you know, transforming himself into mist or whatever you will. Um, at the at the area where um, Mr. Scrooge and Santa have their final battle, there's a makeshift chimney there um, that's, you know, it's not connected to a house. It's just like a standalone, like, you know, almost like a grill type thing. But it's close enough to a chimney that just as Liguizamo is about to give the death blow to Santa, uh, Santa has a one-liner, of course. Every action star has got to have their one-liner. I don't remember exactly what the line was. Um, but he basically, just as Liguizamo is about to stab him for the final time, Santa taps his nose while he's holding Liguizamo. And they both turn into like a, like a you know, the, the, the glitter, the gold glitter. And they go up into the chimney. But like I said, it's it's just a chimney. There's no house. There's no structure connected to it. So when Santa appears at the top of the chimney, Liguizamo doesn't have that magic. So he gets reformed as just a fucking bloody stump. Like all his body, all his extremities, his head, all just pop off. And when Santa reappears on top of the fucking chimney, it's just a spray of blood all over the place. And of course, this is a winter movie. And for those. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I mean. For those who don't know, I fucking love blood in snowy movies. I I love that effect. I've been waiting for a a wintertime Friday the 13th movie my whole goddamn life. I know I know we got the fan film earlier last year, but I, I really have always wanted a full on legit you know, new line cinema winter Friday the 13th movie. And eh, we'll probably never get it, but whatever. But yeah, we get that ending and blah, blah, blah. There it is. A violent night. Like I said, I skipped a lot, folks. We're just trying to, this movie doesn't need a full on walkthrough. It's an action movie. You know what you're getting, you know what you're in for. It's just a damn good time. Go watch it. I, I did like the fact that, um, our Santa, obviously we get his little backstory and the fact that he doesn't even understand all the whimsical magic elements yet. Like he almost like he's learning on the job. I thought that was a cool little element to say like, Hey, I'm not, I'm probably not the first one to take this over. So I'm kind of learning how everything works. Cause like his, his sack of presents, like I think he even made a comment like, I don't know exactly how it works. You just reach in and get something and it will be. Yeah. He said it. Yeah, he said it multiple times in the movie because uh, Trudy asks him how his magic works and he says, I don't really know. The terrorists at, at one point when they have him tied up in a chair, they ask him and he gives the same answer. I don't really know how it works. It just works. I don't need to know how it works. And, you know, and this is when the terrorists aren't 100 percent convinced that it's Santa yet. Um, it's it's not until Santa escapes that torture scene, you know, with his magic, you know, touching his nose and going up the chimney that they start to realize or maybe not Liguizamo so much, but definitely Candy Cane and Gingerbread both are like, oh, shit, that's the real Santa. And, you know, they you can see the concern in their face that, you know, we're basically dealing with a god here. You know, I mean, Santa, not literally a god, but he's got powers. So he's basically a superhero. And he's strong, too. I mean, this Santa is not weak. He takes a lot of punishment. In the opening scene in the movie, they show him crushing walnuts with his bare hands to the point that the bartender is even looking at him like, holy shit. You know, he's just crushing these giant walnuts with his bare hands Um, and drinking a beer. Of course, he's sitting at a bar, which I love that that's the opening scene, that it, it instantly humanizes Santa right from the start. 
But then right at the end of that scene, we get, you know, a great culmination there with him basically flying away with the reindeer drunk as hell. And he ends up puking on the bartender. So that, that was pretty awesome. But yeah, like I said, there's a lot of this that I skipped out on because I just feel like you guys should go check out. Definitely check this movie out. Obviously, you know, we've got Christmas Bloody Christmas next week, which I would imagine is going to be much more of a horror film. Again, I don't watch trailers, but, uh, uh, you know. This for if there's nothing else for you to go see at the theater, I highly recommend this one. I was actually talking about this to, at work today during uh, one of my Zoom calls where I was telling all of my teammates, you got to go out and see this. This is fun. I rarely do that with horror movies. So it's saying a lot that I'm trying to get people to go see this. So, yeah, go check it out, folks. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah. Christmas fun all around. Uh, thirded. okay well that was quick but to the point i mean that's the thing it's like the movie it's not very layered it's pretty much what you see is what you get and that's not always a bad thing in fact a lot of the time it's not sometimes that's all you really need in the movie as a piece of entertainment and that that's what this is i think it's this this movie's biggest asset is it delivers on the action it doesn't it's it's a it's it's, i think it's its simplicity because it's just santa shows up and defends the house from other people like that's really all what the movie is and it's just okay we're just setting up the next set piece you know that's yeah it's it's not it's it's not promising something that the movie doesn't deliver it delivers on everything it promises and probably and then some um so, yeah, it's definitely a crowd pleaser. Get the family together. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not that cerebral. Like I said earlier, I mean, you can shut your brain off and just take this movie at face value. And I think that's going to be the best way to take it. Just just have a fucking blast. Have a couple of beers before you go and just enjoy the hell out of this, because I will definitely be seeing this again. I'm probably going to go uh, this week and take Miss Venom to see it since I saw it by myself this weekend, because I think this is something that she'll enjoy, too. Um, she is also, you know, the the diehard Lethal Weapon type fan, you know. So uh, this is this will be something I think is going to be right up her alley. So yeah, I'll be seeing this multiple times uh, in the theater. And depending on how good or bad Christmas Bloody Christmas is, who knows? I may see it again because because I'm going to be seeing that in theaters out here. I don't know if you guys actually have any screenings of it because it's it's getting a limited release in theaters. I I definitely have it out here. You guys will probably see it on streaming, but either way. Either way, yeah, it's a good it, Christmas so far. <laughs> if I get the opportunity to see it in the theater, I'll, I'll definitely check around for listings because, of course, I would prefer. But if not, Shudder will we'll deliver it to me. Yeah, I mean, Joe Bagos is a very visual director. You know, Bliss and VFW have just been, you know, stunning um, visual, you know, treats. So I'm looking, you know, I'm trying again. I'm trying not to overdo my expectations, but I am still very excited to check this one out. Alrighty, well that's going to do it for Violent Night, and let's find out where else we can be heard. So Venom, you're up first. Alright, No More Room in Hell presents Creature Comforts, episode 13 is still our latest episode. We look at 1973's The Golden Voyage of Sinbad, Uh, that is available on darkdiscussions.com. Let's see, the main show, yes, um, the main show finally recorded, yay! It felt like about two and a half months since we recorded a full 
um, episode. But yes, episode 49 is now in the can. I'm not sure. I, I don't think it's available yet, but I'm sure Mike will get it out sooner than later. So check that out. We are going to try very hard to get episode 50 out before the end of the year. But if it doesn't happen, you know, we'll do it in January and, you know, try to have some big things in store. It's it's a monumental episode, 50. So we'll definitely look to do something big for that one. Um, Crystal Lake Gift Shop, uh, still episode two is our latest episode. Um, obviously, with October being as busy as it is for horror podcasters, just didn't really have a lot of time to continue with that series. But we'll definitely be back this month. We may even be bringing back a guest that you've already heard on the show. We've only done two episodes, and we might already have a return guest, so check that out. That show, of course, is our episode-by-episode retrospective of Friday the 13th, the series. And uh, let's see. Oh, I did a sort of, kind of, sort of, guest, kind of, sort of, return appearance on It's Not Horror, Okay?, a show that I was on for well over a year. Um, I had to leave a couple of years ago due to my work schedule. Actually, that was at the beginning of this year that I left. So I've actually been gone from that show less than a year, now that I think about it. Um, And basically the stars aligned and I was able to uh, work with them this past Thursday when we looked at potentially one of my favorite action movies of the 2010s. That is, of course, Dread with Carl Urban. Just absolutely epic fucking film i mean and and the fact that we did violent night tonight is is perfect because dread is just another one of those guilty pleasure over the top action movies with ridiculous gore and blood and just ah so cool so yeah i got a good theme going this week of bloody action movies hopefully joe bagos keeps that um streak alive um and then the only guest spot I have to speak of will be later this month on Cut to the Chase, where I believe all three of us actually are going to be on episodes of Cut to the Chase's uh, 12 Days of Chasemus. Uh, my episode will be looking at 1972's Whoever Slew Auntie Rue, starring Shelley Winters, which I love Shelley Winter movies from the 70s. They're always so over-the-top nutty. So this should be another fun episode, and I think that's it for me, Mike. All right, Don, how about you? All right, as mentioned, Creature Comforts episode 13 is uh, out for everybody. Um, I think we're in the planning stages of the new episode. Um, I think we're just trying to um, get everybody scheduled together. I I think we have the film picked out. I think it's just a matter of uh, when we're going to get together and get everybody's schedule um, cleared up to record that one, which uh, should be a fun time. No spoilers on that, but uh, look for that. Look for that uh, to come out probably before the new year. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I, again, not saying anything just because, you know, it's scheduling. Uh, I do have uh, both guest spots um, now available um, with uh, the nightclub podcast. Um, both of these were guest spots looking at, uh, indiv- you know, individually we looked at the beyond and house by the cemetery. So uh, we looked at the, um, the last two films in the Gates of Hell trilogy from Fulci, which, uh, you know, always a fun time. <laughs> um, so those are uh, those are available for you. Um, they're on uh, the nightclub uh, feed. You should be able to uh, find those pretty readily. And I'm more than happy to say that uh, we are returning in fine form on the Horror Countdown. Um, I've already got two episodes recorded uh, for the new year, which uh, are going to be fun times. And uh, I've got even better stuff coming up. 
not to say that you know these are slouchy episodes these are going to be uh, a lot of fun for you guys to hear so i'm excited to uh start season two uh which should be available at the start of the new year so um yeah, other than that, uh, I do have uh, a couple of the uh, films, a couple of the shows that um, I've uh, managed to secure guest spots on for my show have uh, per, have uh, put up interest in a uh, crossover for me appearing on them. So I'm probably going to be busier than Venom is uh, because I've got like six or seven guest spots next couple of months coming up. But um, yeah, other than that, I don't see anything else that's cool because that's another little cosmic coincidence if you will don gets to um talk about the second and third movies in the gates of hell trilogy we actually just finished our review of the first film of the gates of hell trilogy (laughs) of course called gates of hell to some or city of the living dead to others Um, but yeah that's actually a part of episode 49 so between all of us we did the whole gates of hell trilogy nice yeah, cool. <laughs> All right, yeah. So if you're listening to this, like Venom mentioned, then you'll probably be hearing the new episode of No More Room in Hell, number 49, within a day or two. Um, and then I also, yeah, I have an appearance with Cut to the Chase for their 12 Days of Chase Miss recording, I'm assuming soon, since we're in December now. <laughs> um what else do i got i think that's it for me other than yeah venom mentioned also crystal light gift shop we should be scheduling i guess that pretty soon and i i mean other than that on the horizon i mean we're still gonna have a at least probably what a couple episodes of fresh cuts left but on the near horizon is gonna be our top 10 show which i can't believe it's almost already time for that but yeah we're at that part of the out of the year it's we we never have like an official week every year that it's going to record but we're getting close um so look might be a little late this year right because i think we're getting a movie right before christmas aren't we getting like a big release like well there's one the first week of january so well yeah not that i I was i I was literally because last year yeah, last year we took like what half of December off, I think, to like cram. Uh, um, well, no, I took we took the last week because I think we uh, Christmas was on. I think it was like a Friday or Saturday, so I think we took like we recorded for that week, but then we took like the week off after. I'm not sure. Okay. I don't really. Yeah, I think we took like one week off. Yeah, because I, yeah. I I always demand a week. Um, to kind of review my top 10, well, really my top 20 and just start whittling the movies out. Cause yeah, usually that last week of December, last week or two of December, I'm not watching new movies. I'm just kind of going back and checking my list. Yeah. And, and I'm I, very, I'm very meticulous. So I need, and I, and I know in 2023, there's already a horror movie scheduled to release the first week. I don't know about the second week, but, um, so yeah, uh, I've got screeners for stuff, but uh, they're like independent stuff or like the the third or the sixth or one of those dates. So I've I've already got a couple of uh, screeners for 2023 stuff, but I don't know if there'd be anything you guys would be interested in covering. Well, Megan comes yeah. out in the theater January 6th, so that's for yeah. sure one. Um, but but yeah, we'll figure it out. I mean, once we get closer, 
we'll, we'll have like an actual date we schedule that in um but other than that yeah that's it for me as well so that's gonna do it for this episode of i almost said no more room in hell but <laughs> so you fresh yeah, I'll just finish off the uh, finish the name <laughs> yeah, yeah well, now that we actually recorded the new episode of it it's like in my head but um that fresh cuts so we'll be back in a week's time with another episode of fresh cuts but until then let's say bye to our listeners later only leave Santa fresh baked cookies. He hates the shit out of a box. <laughs> Never go up the chimney with, with Santa. <laughs> <laughs>